Okay, this is Professor Tofano, and uh, I am recording part two of three parts for chapter one, Interpersonal Process. I think I said in the first audio lecture that it would be two parts, but um, it's three parts, sorry. So uh, I'll talk about um, uh, the nature of interpersonal communication. I'm going to start on page 15, and then I'm going to uh, leave the social media... Um, component that's on page 23 for a separate uh, third and final uh, conversation about this chapter, okay? So, do the best you can to read the entire chapter, listen to the audio. Again, I'm highlighting. I'm not going to read verbatim anything, and I'll add some commentary, okay? So, welcome to the students and parents that are listening, and I hope that uh, not only is this information um, profitable, for uh, getting a grade and learning something, but also maybe even more importantly is improving uh, your relationships. I think that is maybe the most important part of the uh, chapter and perhaps the entire book. Okay, so um, we are going to be starting on page 15, midway, where it says the nature of interpersonal communication. So hopefully um, those of you that are uh, listening rolled in the class, and even if you're listening and you're not. So today is um, August 26th, 2021. If you look back at my uh, channel, uh, whether you see it on Spotify or wherever you find it, uh, there I have um, other lectures in there too. And um, I'm just, I redo these every so often, maybe yearly. But anything that I've said prior is probably still good, valid, and useful and profitable. So that's okay too if you've already listened to other other information about the chapters. Okay, so it says here the nature of interpersonal communication. It says as you've read and as we've talked about, every exchange, even the most mundane, has a relational dimension. A relational dimension. Visualize a brief conversation you recently had with a cashier. Was it friendly? Was it indifferent? Was it rushed? Was it leisurely? In every case, the exchanged messages both created and reflected some sort of relationship. In more meaningful relationships, communication is distinctive and nuanced, more personal. It's helpful, therefore, to view communication with others on a continuum ranging from impersonal to interpersonal. So even the... Uh, quick um, interactions we have with people as we pass uh, during our daily activities. There's still relationships loosely defined, probably more in, impersonal, impersonal, I should say. Um, and then, of course, the ones that are intimate um, are very interpersonal. So, uh, as the book previously um, defined... And as I try, I think I added a bit of commentary and, and uh, information in regards to the definition of interpersonal communication. So my definition is um, uh, manipulating signs and symbols in an attempt to create shared meaning. So manipulating signs and symbols in an attempt to create shared meaning. Now the book says interpersonal interaction is distinguished by the qualities of uniqueness, interdependence, self-disclosure, 
an intrinsic reward. So that's just uh, an add-on to that definition. I don't think there's a quiz question about defining interpersonal communication because honestly, if you asked other subject matter experts in communication, they may have a bit different way to define it. So we're okay with all of those. So uh, first, uh, interpersonal communication is unique. Where social rules and rituals govern impersonal exchanges, the nature and history of particular relationships shares interpersonal exchanges, right? For example, with one friend, you may exchange good-natured insults, whereas with another, you're careful not to offend. Consider how you communicate with those closest to you, and you'll recognize that each relationship is defined by its own specific language, customs, and patterns. And it says here that some smart people in the communication business call that relational culture. The second uh, that distinguishes interpersonal is interdependence. Highly interpersonal communication exchanges reveal that the fate of the partners are connected. In an impersonal relationship such as a restaurant server you don't know, you might be able to brush off the other's anger, affection, excitement, or depression, but in an interpersonal relationship the other person's life affects you. It impacts you, for sure. Third, self-disclosure. And we'll talk about self-disclosure in subsequent chapters. But here it says, uh, a third feature is self-disclosure. In M, personal exchanges, we reveal little about ourselves. But in interpersonal exchanges, we often share important thoughts and feelings, usually, usually reflecting our comfort with one another. So there is a sense of, I want to be known. I want them to know me. I want to know them, and that kind of is self-disclosure, where you voluntarily share something about you, and then, depending upon how intimate the information is, uh, if you uh, communicate intimate self-disclosure too quickly, uh, we call that TMI, too much information, then that would uh, potentially have a negative impact on the relational connection. On the other hand, if you reveal information about yourself slowly and it's reciprocal, meaning you're both kind of sharing about the same depth of intimacy regarding the kind of information and it is revealed over time and we're going to talk a lot more about time in relationship to um, how we develop and maintain relationships in um, chapters uh, later chapters. Okay, so now let's talk about, if you look on page 17, there's an excellent uh, figure, 1.3. It talks about these different examples of the different kinds of communication. In the upper, la uh, upper left-hand corner, mass communication, and then we have some personal mass communication, and then in the bottom right we have interpersonal communication, right? So that that is kind of interesting how um, along the bottom it says private, and then on the left corner it says impersonal. So towards the top of that, uh, it becomes more impersonal and more public. At the bottom, it becomes more personal and more private. This kind of makes sense. Okay, so let's talk about communication misconceptions. And uh, the textbook lists a few, uh, but there are many uh, misconceptions about communication. And uh, these, are, these are all good. Not all communication seeks understanding. 
More communication is not always better. Communication will not solve all problems. And then uh, lastly in this section, effective communication is not, uh, is not a natural ability. Okay, these are certainly uh, true axioms here in regards to communication. So not all communication seeks understanding. You may assume that the goal of all communication is to maximize understanding. But although some understanding is necessary to coordinate interactions, there are some types of communication in which understanding, as we usually conceive it, isn't the primary goal. And you may um, consciously be aware of that fact, or you may not be. So, for example, if passive aggressiveness and or sarcasm is attached to it, you may not be totally aware that you're being passive aggressive or sarcastic in your communication. So, it is true that uh, sometimes it's uh, the gaining understanding uh, through our communication is not always our primary goal. Social rituals we enact every day are examples, many attempts to influence others and then deliberate ambiguity and deception. So social rituals, how's it going, uh, you ask, how are you feeling today, those kind of things. Um, the primary goal is not really to find out how someone's doing, I mean typically, or how they're feeling. They just, they're just social rituals. So there's obviously no serious attempt to exchange information. It's just um, something that we have developed as cultures as we interact with other humans. Now, something um, that most of you are experiencing is that now that um, the uh, government is requiring um, people to cover their face, facial area, and typically it's the nose down below the chin, we um, now as we interact with people, oftentimes all we see is their eyes and a lot of these uh, micro-expressions that are very important that uh, guide interpersonal relationships and uh, interactions, it's missing information. And so good communication, uh, both of the communicators, uh, the encoders and decoders, 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 sorry, um, they're looking for information in order to, um, to understand the message and understand the interaction and understand the relationship. So once you cover uh, an individual's face that's attempting to communicate with us, it makes it much more difficult. And some of you that work in customer service are noticing that. So this is a, a new challenge. And of course, this textbook is years old. And I assume some uh, subject matter experts in relationships and communication eventually will uh, study it in depth and, and talk about it and write about it, and in subsequent textbooks, I'm sure um, we'll have more information on that. But you could um, you can do a computer search, and uh, I know I've I've seen some information. The only reason I'm not citing it now is because uh, there may be some anecdotal information, which is different than uh, theory building or some type of quasi or scientific research in regards to this area. So in regards to interpersonal communication, there are all sorts of ways to um, find anecdotal information about relationships and communication. And as a subject matter expert, someone that's been studying communication for a long time, and in my discipline, I try my best to uh, find uh, what we would call studies 
where they have they use the basic scientific paradigm. You have control groups, you have uh, a thesis, and you kind of study it. Uh, or anecdotally, you can just ask people how they feel about X, Y, or Z. And those those uh, when you ask someone how they feel about something, that's considered anecdotal. And when you study it and you isolate the variables, then you get a much better information and extremely useful information. And that's what we would rather have. However, in the age of the internet, probably most of the information you'll get if you do any searches is anecdotal, which basically just means it's somebody's opinion. And their opinion may or may not even be not only not interesting, but it may not even be valid or it could just be valid for a certain moment in time and have uh, no long-lasting uh, advantage to listening to the, quote, advice or the opinion of the so-called smart person. So just as a side note, and you can write this in your notes, be aware that uh, there's lots of anecdotal information out there, and that is typically someone's opinion. And we're looking for uh, more research-based information where there is, uh, they follow the basic scientific paradigm. And in social science studies, uh, it's a little bit more difficult because you're experimenting um, with people. And so it makes it even more, more difficult to study if you're, if you're an honest person trying to find uh, the problem or the answer to a problem. So with hard sciences, we can manipulate things, and sadly, in some cases, we could use uh, animals to study um, different kinds of uh, things, uh, particularly sometimes medicines, and unfortunately, sometimes even cosmetics, to kind of figure how uh, you know how we react to these um, different types of uh, medicines or these different types of applications. So be aware of that. Write that down. Uh, because oftentimes you'll find someone will say, new study says, and then it, it's something that uh, interests you and something that you felt strongly about, and then you see it, and then it reinforces your feeling, and it could be absolutely the opposite of the reality of how humans interact. And if you go to the self-help section, pop psychology section, in any bookstore or online, you could pretty much validate any opinion or feeling you have about relationships and about interpersonal communication. So my caution or warning is to do the best you can uh, to look deeper and to find actual research. Um, I would use the word science, but in our business it's more social science, and so it's not necessarily a hard science. Uh, so there is still a bit of anecdotalness attached to really any study when you're dealing with relationships, but some of the stuff that I see is just silly, and a lot of the stuff that I see is really um, not helpful. So if your goal is to improve relationships, and to maintain relationships, and to find good relationships, especially interpersonal romantic relationships, there's all sorts of goofy, weird, strange, anecdotal evidence by so-called smart people. If you go to the back of this textbook, they have footnotes, um, hundreds of footnotes. And most of those footnotes would be considered um, somewhat anecdotal, but probably more uh, research-based. But you'll, you'll still find some anecdotal <clears throat> information in the back. So just be aware of that. Um, it's so easy to validate, quote, feelings about relationships. And oftentimes our feelings are absolutely the opposite of what is necessary 
to um, initiate, maintain, find uh, good, healthy, functional, long-lasting, mutually beneficial relationships. Okay, sorry, I went off a little bit on, on the sideline there, but um, just be aware of that, okay? Okay, so what happened? I, I jumped the tracks here for a second. Okay, back to page 18. Uh, many attempts to influence others. Most television commercials are aimed at persuading viewers to buy products, um, not helping viewers understand the content of the ad. Next, deliberate ambiguity and deception. When you decline an unwanted invitation by saying, I can't make it, you probably want to create the impression the decision is really beyond your control. In fact, it may just be, I don't want to go. I don't want to get together. So um, that's just another way that we, we're not clear with our communication goals. More communication is not always better. And uh, this is a valuable lesson, especially for young people, because if it's not working, sometimes it's best just to say, let's just cool it here, or let's just put a bookmark in it and come back to it later. And then, you know, an hour, two, three, next day, whatever. It's, it's probably just something that young people particularly have a hard time understanding because there's a frustration that comes along with attempting it to connect with someone and it's not working. So whereas a failure to communicate effectively and often can uh, certainly cause problems, excessive communication could also mistake, be a mistake. Sometimes it's simply unproductive when people go over and over the same thing. Uh, it, doesn't it, it doesn't improve the communication or the relationship. In fact, it could do the opposite. It can create all sorts of frustration and conflict from that. And then lastly, oh, excuse me, and then the next one, communication will not solve all problems. Sometimes even the best plan, the best time communication won't solve a problem. And so, uh, absolutely true. Sometimes clear communication is even the cause of the problem, in a sense. So clear communication is good, but certainly it may create some tension or frustration amongst the person we're communicating with. Lastly, in this section, it says effective communication is not a natural ability. Uh, that is true. And again, I mentioned this earlier. I may say it again if I can go back in time. And many of uh, uh, geezers at, at my age... Uh, especially with kids and grandchildren, would say, if we can go back in time, uh, we certainly would have loved to learn these concepts about communication relationships very, very early. So those of you that are young and uh, hearing this information and studying this, you have a huge advantage over um, not only your peers, but maybe even over some adults, dare I say. Sorry, adults. Okay, and it is most people assume that communication is like breathing and it's something people can do without training, although nearly everyone does manage to function uh, without much formal training. Most people operate the level of effectiveness far below their potential. In fact, communication skills are closer to an athletic ability. And I like that analogy. Even the most inept of us can learn to be more effective with training and practice, and even the most talented uh, can keep in shape. So that is true. Okay, so since I spent a little bit uh, more time on explaining the difference between anecdotal uh, information about interpersonal communication and relationships and more science-based. Again, I don't even like to put the word science in there because currently today there is a confusion about what that even means and maybe I'll go into depth in another chapter about that, but we're in the social science, which means there is the social component to studying relationships and interpersonal communication besides the um, more research-based side. So depending upon how good the researcher is and how honest they are about that fact, uh, even the best, 
quote-unquote research, we still have to um, kind of test it a bit. Okay, so I'm going to add a uh, fourth section, sorry. I think it's important what I covered. Okay, so I'm going to be out on 20 minutes or so, and then I'll come back, and then we'll pick up on page 19. Sorry about that, uh, but that's what happens. If we were doing this in class, it'd be the same way. Okay, to final out.